1: Welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. It's Thursday, February 10, 2022. I'm Ash Bennington. Today, I'm joined by Tom Thornton, founder of Hedge Fund Telemetry. It's a big day out there. Markets in motion. US equity markets selling off. I'm looking at the closing numbers right now. S&P 500 hovering just above the 45 handle, 4504. Off on the day, down one spot, eight percent NASDAQ down more than 2% on the day closing out the trading at 14,185. Dow Jones Industrial Average also off almost one spot 5%, uh, closing at 35,241. Tom, obviously a lot happening right now. Uh, Hot number coming in uh, on the CPI print for last month, 7.5%, highest number in 40 years. So much going on, lots happening in the bond markets. How do you
2: contextualize it all? How do you make sense of it? Yeah, today was just an extraordinary day. I mean, I I think a lot of people started to price in a a lighter CPI number a few, um, like this last week. I heard it from a lot of people that, oh, it might come in soft, but oh, next month is gonna be really high. But it came in very, very hot. And so 80% of the components Were rising more than three percent, and then 65 of the components or 65 of the components rose more than four percent. The rest were 10 percent. That's just extraordinary. And bottom line is the Fed is clearly behind the curve. And I think we have a a chart that uh, we can show that uh, it's pretty obvious looking at the two year and the Fed funds rate. Yeah. We should say we're talking about these on a year-over-year
1: basis, uh, significant, obviously, moves uh, on a monthly basis as well. Uh, so uh,
2: walk us through the chart, Tommy. Well, it's simple. It's just, it it shows the uh, the two-year is in blue and the Fed funds in yellow, and they've been correlated in the past. And now the, the Fed is clearly behind the curve. And I, I think you can see that with base metals, uh, grains, other commodities that are just going through the moon, and uh, that is a problem. And that's why Bulliard came out today, midday, around lunch, right before the 30-year auction, uh, good timing, and said that he's for a 50 basis point hike and for bas- basically one percent, being at one percent at least in June. And the odds which we can look online of what the 50 basis point hike could could be is went up to 75%. It was around 25% this morning uh, before the uh, CPI. But this CPI is going to get even hotter next month because one of the components is gasoline. And it's not crude. I I always thought it was crude, but it's gasoline. Mm. And gasoline futures have gone up well, a lot since December, and that's why the January report we just had uh, was higher because of Biden's SPR release. Uh, But now it's even higher. Yes. So now we're going to see it even higher, and rents were going up a lot higher as well. And that, to me, is really concerning. And it's hitting every single consumer uh, every single way. Uh, you, You can't really get away from any of the you know, the food prices went up uh, car you know still car prices are still very very high used car prices might be moderating but still if you look at the Mannheim uh, charts they're just off they're crazy um, so if you have a used car sell it now so I, I think right now the the Fed is in a bit of a panic mode and I called my note today um, a, a Bullard in a China shop because basically I, I was thinking to myself, with all the stuff that's going on, you have inflation that's a runaway, you have rates rising, you have equity volatility, and uh, the Fed funds is still zero, and they're still buying. Q- you know, there's you know QE is still happening. Uh, there's some talk that there could be an intermeeting move. You know that that's that would be confirm my thesis that the Fed is completely in panic mode.
1: Yeah, we have not seen uh, a move on rates intermeeting for some time now. Uh, I should also point out, looking uh, at the uh, at the numbers from this morning, uh, food costs up seven percent year over year on a month over month basis. Tom, up zero point nine. In other words, they've been up nine tenths of one percent
2: in a month. That is brutal. Yeah, imagine imagine if you are a restaurant and you have to buy those the, that those food. Co- um, Food products across the board, uh, you're going to have to raise prices to your consumers. Which uh, Chipotle's CEO on their conference call said that he could raise prices on their, you know, the burrito bowls and the tacos and everything like that. But you know, seriously, it's going to come to a point where the demand starts to drop off because of the higher prices, and that's how inflation works. It just starts yeah. to see the slowing of various aspects of the cons- what the consumer is buying. And yeah, I I just shudder to think um, where it could be in the next month. And, you know, remember Bill Aikman a while ago, it was probably a month ago, was saying the Fed needs to restore credibility and raise 50 basis points in March. And people sort of laughed at his comments, but I thought, You know, he might be on to something, and now 50 basis points is consensus. Yeah. So I I think right now we're going to have a really pretty difficult couple months until we get some more confirmation of what the Fed is going to
1: do. Yeah. Let me just run through one other thing. We talked about the equity markets at the top of the show. Uh, I also want to talk about fixed income here. Right now, US Treasury yield uh, up to one spot, 613. I'm just eyeballing it. It looks like up about 14 basis point move in one day of trading. Yeah. Obviously, pretty cons- considerable. Go ahead, Tom.
2: Yeah, the, I mean, the two year just with that chart that we had was crazy. Um, I will say that um, I've had a like 198 and you know, 10 year target, and we achieved that, and we went over two percent. And I keep thinking, you know, the it's just going through my head the raw base it takes two to make everything all right. No, it's not It's not all right because I think that's why tech stocks and small caps and others that are reliant on lower rates uh, started to really start to sell off after Bullard's comments. Yeah. But I do think that that you could have a little bit of a reprieve in the rates market. I, I think the 10-year, uh, on the daily uh, time frame, if we can throw that up there, it is getting a bit Exhausted uh, with the DeMarc indicators. We've got the sequential, the combo, and we're at the upside wave five price objective. Yeah. So there, there's the chart there. And the other thing is uh, I, if we're going to have a, a back off in rates and we, we see the rates you know, come back down under, let's say, under 190 on the 10 year, I think the intermediate term target that I have on the weekly chart, and there are still upside to mark uh, countdowns in progress, that's looking at 2.45% on the 10-year. So it could be a bit of a risk-off, go to bonds in the next week if the equity markets break to new lows, which I think is entirely possible, and especially since the way a lot of stocks have traded recently. Yeah. Uh, ten-year
1: U.S. Treasury right now uh, price to yield two spot zero five four. Call it uh, two hundred and five basis points. Uh, also, we should point out twos ten spread uh, on the day. Uh, give me a second; I lost that screen, uh, but it is uh, significant. Yeah, th- I, yeah, yeah, three three is what you see. Yeah, I, obviously, some significant compression here on that flattening of the curve. Uh, something that suggests. Uh, again, once uh, again, the exact point that you've been making since the top of the show, Tommy, Fed behind the curve.
2: And the thing that's really probably the most concerning thing with the rates market is the rate of change is so rapid and it's just running over traders. And, And to think about how much issuance in the high yield and the investment grade has been issued with the low, ultra low rates in the last couple of years. I mean, it's staggering. Everybody used to talk about like, oh my God, the rates market or the credit markets are just so firm and there's just so much demand, but those are starting to waver and the credit spreads in Europe and in the US are starting to blow out. The CDX spreads are starting to blow out and they're not at necessarily any levels that I could say match up to what we saw in March of 2020 but they're starting to look a similar way to the fourth quarter of 2018. And that was, you know, we had a 20% pullback in the equity market. And I still think we could see 20% lower or 20% from the top. Maybe, I mean, maybe, I don't know. It feels, it feels pretty awful.
1: We're going to take a quick break and be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision daily briefing.
0: You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.
1: Uh, by the way, as we talk about the broader macro context, I wanted to take a look uh, at a clip from today. Uh, This is a conversation I had with Sri Kumar uh, called No Way Out. Are We Headed to Stagflation? Uh, This is something that's running on the platform right now on all tiers, Essential Pro and Plus. And I wanted to take a look at this clip uh, because I think it speaks to precisely some of the points that we've been discussing here. Let's take a look.
3: We do not have the political will to withdraw support. And I don't think we have the political will because you can see that given a chance, the Biden administration will revive the Build Back Better and spend another $1.9 trillion to provide childcare, uh, medical benefit spent on, on climate change, all of that in the in coming years. It's only the gridlock in the Senate that's preventing that from happening. So the political will does not exist in the administration to do anything different from before. So what happens? Whatever happens with this Thursday number, overall, I think inflation is headed upward. Then you reach a stage when the Federal Reserve and the Treasury have no leeway but to tighten. And that is called tightening into a recession. So when the high interest rates have already caused the economy to turn down, which I think is what we are headed toward, the Federal Reserve will be increasing interest rates. They'll make it worse.
1: Sobering thoughts from Sri Kumar. Absence of political will at the Fed, tightening into a recession. Uh, and obviously, Sri called it on inflation. This was uh, recorded three days ago. He completely nailed it. Uh, Tom, what are your thoughts about this broader context?
2: Well, look, the Fed's going to raise rates. I think the stock market's going to go lower because that's generally what happens, and I know the Fed, from the people that I talk to that have connections and uh, one of Raul's uh, good friends, the Fed is fine, use that word fine, with the equity market dropping some more. It, that that does some of the work for them if the equity market drops. And we've seen a lot of people with the Fed put is a lot lower. Uh, is at 3,500 on the S&P. Bank of America's at 3,800 on the S&P. Yeah, you know, I think we could get into the, you know, get a three handle on the S&P. I think it, it can happen, um, you know, maybe in the next few weeks. I mean, we're still up on the year uh, S&P,
1: I believe. Uh, no, we're not. We're, I think, no. oh. we got to get the charts here. Go ahead, you say.
2: You got to turn your monitor the other way. I know you do that with Bitcoin yeah. sometimes, no, just, you know. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's my Bitcoin optimism uh, as we we're
1: flipping through charts here. Uh, Look, what is the potential floor for this? I think this is the point that you were making in terms of the Fed and their reaction uh, to what point the equity markets give them so much, Ajita, that they need to step in. I mean, that's really the question here, isn't it?
2: I don't think the Fed, I, I think the Fed is not as focused on the equity markets as they are to controlling inflation. And that's a mandate by... Uh, President Biden, that that was the first thing he said in that press conference a month ago, we've got to fight inflation and the Fed's going to do it. And he renominated Powell, and I'm sure he gave him a wink saying, you know, I'm going to renominate you, but you got to get inflation down before the midterm elections. So, I, you know, I, I think that they can allow the stock market to drift. It's been, you've had two incredible, you know, strong years, I mean, 10 incredible strong years, and if they allow it to moderate, it does some of the work for them. And uh, you know, one thing uh, I I've been noticing, you know, you have a lot of stocks that are down. Some of these high flying tech stocks and consumer stocks down 50 percent or more. And they get these, you know, the buy the dip people come in, and then they break even lower. And Facebook was a good example of that. It had already been down significantly. And then they just booted their earnings and everything just fell apart. And then even after the big down move, the down day, it went even lower. And you're seeing stocks like Affirm today. I mean, that was just a mess where on social media, they reported earnings or their social media reported earnings, but I think they were wrong and they had to revise. And then the stock was halted like three times. And it's just continued lower. And I, I'm embarrassed to say that I was short the stock at 150, and I covered it at a profit, but way too early because I think it's in, yeah, it's in $58 right now. So I, yeah. So, 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 so Tom, let, let me play a little devil's
1: on. advocate here. Let's look at the numbers here for year to date on major U.S. equity indices. Uh, S, S&P 500 off uh, 5.5%. Uh, Dow Jones industrial average off uh, almost exactly three uh, percent. NASDAQ Composite uh, and NASDAQ uh, and, and NASDAQ 100 both off uh, between 9.33 and 9.89 percent respectively. Uh, these are not significant losses uh, on a year-to-date basis. If you look at them uh, on a one-year basis, obviously uh, up considerably 15.2 percent up on SP 500, up 12 percent uh, on Dow Jones Industrial Average. So this idea that you know uh, that the Fed is not in the business of intervening uh, to support U.S. equity markets, you know, it's kind of easy to say that when you're only off uh, when you're only off five percent on the year and you're up fifteen percent uh, on a 12, trailing twelve-month basis. What happens when those numbers go negative? Do we have the political will to sustain
2: a correction and even a bear market? I think you, I think the the main I'll go back to this, the main importance for the Fed right now is to control inflation. That's it. And yeah, they'll they'll come back in and, and give some sobering or soft comments about the um, the equity markets and that they're they're there, but they've got to get the Fed funds rate higher and they've got to slow things. So that's really the the big important thing. It's Greenwich, we've got a cat in a tree I'm sure. <laughs> You can hear the sound well, that's and- the point of that chart you showed, uh,
1: showing the showing that uh, the federal funds rate versus the two-year, and that mismatch. Uh, there's just no choice, it seems. Uh, but again, it it's, it sort of gives this 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 point that perhaps we are in this between a rock and a hard place uh, situation where what happens if the Fed uh, does begin to hike and hike aggressively, looking something like Mr. Bullard suggested today, a uh, hundred basis points between now and July. Uh, and you start to see equity markets sell off. I, I just don't know
2: if there's the political will, and you know, it seems like they're just left without a good option here. Well, they painted themselves into a corner, so yeah. they they have no good option at all. But the option that they have to take is to control inflation, because inflation yeah. isn't it can be out of control, and you know, slowing inflation. Uh, one of the ways they can do it is to raise rates, make it difficult to borrow, uh, put pressure on corporate earnings, and the stock market comes down to maybe a more reasonable level. I mean, remember, the stock market is not cheap at this level here. The the valuation is not cheap, and the mega cap stocks that have been holding this market up, those aren't necessarily bargains either at this at these levels. So yeah, we've handled the market down not so bad, but the rest of the market has been an absolute nightmare. But, so if you go to the S&P chart that I think we have on here, it's it's a little messy, but I can explain um, pretty simply. Go ahead. Okay, so this is the S&P and we had this first move down on the, uh, in uh, January. And we we had a DeMarc uh, buy setup nine, and this is a indicator that Tom DeMarc created. And essentially it, it told us that we were gonna have a bounce and we had setup nines across the board. And we even had a setup nine in Bitcoin, Ethereum. And so everything is bounced, but my call has been that we would make a lower high wave two. So essentially the first move down from the highs, that was wave one, We'll make a lower high wave two, and remember, in wave two, or you know, this is when everybody thinks that everything's going to be fine, and we keep buying, and everything's good. But the problem is, if we break the recent lows in January, we could be in for a, a deeper move. And I, I, think my target is on there, at just over four thousand. It could go even lower. I'm not, you know, that's just a mechanical target that we use with the Demark indicators. But the bottom line is, if we reverse down and start to lose the recent lows, I, I think that the market could be down easily ten percent from here. Ten percent from here? Actually, ten percent from the lows. Let's 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 go from there. It could be a, get a three handle on the S and P. Yeah.
1: Uh, Tom, you were mentioning a little bit during the break uh, what you're seeing in short interest numbers coming out yesterday. Give us a little bit of context on that.
2: Okay well, one of the things that was really interesting the first few days of the year when we when we it started actually the last 2 days of last year and then the first 3 days of the this new year all the prime brokerages Goldman Sachs Morgan Stanley they, all their reports said that they've seen they're seeing the largest amount of selling of technology stocks from their in their clients so basically they're Institutional clients, they can track, you know, how much Apple they have or how much, you know, Micron technology they have, and and they can see those sales. And so that was a first clue that basically smart money was trying to liquidate long positions. But as we move down towards the at the lows and it was the well, I think short interest was about 15 days ago when it was calculated. People were were starting to short a lot more. And the NASDAQ short interest was up 5% for the last two week period. Now, this, la- so what happens is it's two week lag time. And this bounce that we've seen off the lows has seen uh, on the short baskets that I look at live from Goldman Sachs, Credit Suisse, uh, those have been uh, up significantly. In other words, all we've seen in this bounce is, is short covering. So when you see shorts, you know, go down, they cover, and then if there's any more bad news with the absence of those shorts, th- there could be a vacuum lower because you don't have the natural buyer of of the short covering. And so that to me is a bit of a concern. I'm, I'm doing a, we do a biweekly webinar. And if you go on my Twitter, you can sign up for it. Um, we're doing it tomorrow at 1030 in the morning. And we'll explain a little bit more of what we're seeing. I think there's more large cap shorting right now because the dollar volume was was a lot higher. And that might be also because the the shorts that, that the big players are shorting are more liquid and they want more liquidity on the shorts. And shorts, when it, when short interest goes high, it's not necessarily always this short squeeze that's going to happen. You can have a short squeeze like what we've just had, and then those shorts stay short, and they actually are right. So it can they can be right. And we saw that in the beginning of, of the year in 2000. Shorts got squeezed in February, and then boom, it was in the lights out for the next couple months. By the way, NASDAQ Composite, the worst performer
1: on a trailing 12-month basis, one spot, 5 3%, uh, and the second worst performer on indices, uh, on a year-to-date basis, minus 9.33%, uh, exceeded in its losses only by the NASDAQ 100 uh, at nine spot eight, nine percent getting very close to correction territory on NASDAQ 100.
2: Well, the Russell is down 8.5% for the year, and year over year, it's down a little over 10%. And that's, you know, we just had a bull market, and it's down year over year. And that's where there's been a lot of damage uh, in the market, in the small cap, mid cap. Uh, I'm just looking at some other stuff here. Actually, talk a little bit about Bitcoin is down year over year. Do you know that? Sorry, I know. I know. I don't mean to. (laughs) It is is a it is a painful moment for us all. I'm sorry. (laughs) Well, well, you could be you could be in the I'm just looking up at one of my screens. You could be in the. Hang Seng in Hong Kong you're down 17.5% year over year.
1: It's off about 3000 bucks. It's it was 40 it was at 40 uh 479 I think uh, 12 months ago and now at 44,135. Uh but let me ask you this something about a spread uh, here. Uh talk a little bit about this uh, what's happening right now in small caps because one year return S&P 500 uh, 15 spot 2% as we said earlier uh, and then minus uh, greater than 10% on the Russell 2000. This is a massive, massive
2: gap. Yeah, it's because in the in the Russell 2000, you don't have Apple, Microsoft, Google, and uh, Amazon. And those guys have held up and masked all the serious carnage. I, mean, I was looking at the NASDAQ composite percentage of stocks above the 50-day, uh, 150-day, and 200-day, and they were like under 30%. So that's massive, but if you look at the indices and the weight of those mega guys, you know it's 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 massive, and that's the problem I see. If the market corrects, people are hiding in those really good, solid, great companies, and I have nothing you know bad to say about Apple or Microsoft or or Google. But you know their numbers were great. Um, Amazon numbers were good too. I. You know, for, well, it's a little squishy here and there, but those first three were really good numbers and people are hiding in them. And if all of a sudden we break to new lows, that hiding space is going to have some cracks. And that's typically of what happens when they start selling the best quality and they sell the, they sell the garbage first, and then they have to give up and sell their best quality at the end. But what does that suggest about this? Uh, the
1: challenge with uh, the the sort of the incredibly narrow gains that we've seen, Apple looks like up uh, 27% on a trailing 12-month basis. What what does it suggest when you see uh, all of these very large-cap tech stocks picking up uh, huge amounts of these? I mean, these just significant 27% uh, 12-month, uh, while you know you have basically all of this. Uh, concentration of capital in these big cap tech stocks, and you see uh, these vast majority of small and mid cap stocks just getting hammered. I mean, what, what does that portend uh, for broader equity markets?
2: It's the power of large numbers and the weightings, and there's really nothing you can do about it. Uh, and what will happen is you'll see cracks. And I, I think Amazon is a short, Facebook is in purgatory right now. I don't think Facebook will ever see new highs again, ever. Hmm. And I I have fundamental differences with the way they run Facebook. Maybe they'll break it up and do something, but I don't, I don't buy into the metaverse uh, plan. I think that's, it's creepy, honestly, but <laughs> it is, um, <laughs> I'm glad we have a lighter moment here today, Tommy. Yeah, I mean, you're always going to get that with me. But the bottom line is it, it, you, you start to see cracks in all of these big cat names eventually. And they can't all go up forever. And, and maybe they'll they'll just see corrections. You know, I've seen Apple correct 50% a few times in my career. And wouldn't that be great to be able to buy some of these great companies if they have a bit of a, you know, product transition or slowdown or demand slows, or the Fed really does what it needs to do, I'd love to be buying good quality. I mean, in March of 2020, I was on Real Vision, and I said, the first thing I'm going to do is buy the best quality I possibly can in my portfolios, because they were just ridiculously on sale. And if I'm wrong, and let's say the pandemic lasted forever, which it did, but the equity markets weren't you know didn't respond i'd be fine holding apple or microsoft or google or any you know any of those those you just buy good quality when first when the markets get hit because the garbage names they're still going down they go up a little you lose the the buy the dip people and they have to sell and that's fair market mentality in action
1: I want to throw in uh, some questions here from our viewers. Uh, I want to do these uh, two questions together, actually, because they're both talking about things related to the housing market. Uh, The first one comes to us from Mark from the Real Vision site. The question is, the cost of shelter is 33 percent of CPI. Uh, It's its largest component. And at only a four percent annual increase, it seems to be lagging reality. Where are home prices uh, and rents? And when are we going to see double digit increases? And the second one comes to us from Yoyo, from the Real Vision site, who wants to know where home builders are going. So questions about pricing uh, of the housing market and also about home builders. Tom, what are your thoughts right now in that space?
2: I have some thoughts. First, I think there was a huge pull forward with demand with the pandemic. And I've seen it here in Connecticut where you had so many people move immediately out of the city, and they moved to the suburbs. And as you see behind me, I I share my office, Um, there's an office over there, but my office is shared with my wife, who's an interior designer. And I will say that her business has been incredibly, incredibly strong from this migration. However, with higher rates, you're going to see home builders have some problems it, it puts a it slows housing traditionally uh, with higher rates and fine they're not that high yet but the thirty year mortgage is is making a new high every day it seems so that will slow a bit of the housing market the home builders also have an issue because their input costs for materials and labor are absolutely going to hit their margins hard now there's still demand for housing. And there's still demand for rentals, but there's not a lot of supply because all that dem- demand forward occurred. So there's less houses, less rentals. So people are going to be able to charge more or ask more for their used houses or, or rentals. And that's the issue there but with, within the CPI. I think you're still going to see prices remain high with the scarcity of Homes. And, you know, but then you have the headwind of higher rates and the Fed, you know, doing what they're doing, which is, which will ultimately slow the housing market. A couple housing market shorts. I do, well, I have, I've liked the furniture makers. Uh, Williams Sonoma's great company, but that's probably overdone. Uh, restoration hardware has come down a whole lot. I think Home Depot. Has been a big beneficiary of the housing migration and boom. And they could see tough comps this this spring because last year was so strong. So and input costs, you know labor and materials. So I think it's going to be tough on Home Depot. Yeah, Tom, obviously, as
1: we come to the close of this show, it's been a big day, an important day in markets, lots going on. Final thoughts, key takeaways, things that people should bear in mind as they leave this conversation.
2: Well, I, I think that right now we're in a difficult place in the market that many people have never seen in their life. And I, I was just a you know, young kid when there was inflation in the world, and I didn't quite understand what happened or what was happening. But I remember my parents, it was tough on them, and it's going to be tough Inflation is very tough on the low end of consumer. It's very tough on the middle class. I think it's going to be really hard on restaurants. They're going to have to raise prices. Demand's going to slow. It's this is a this has been um, this is a nightmare for the market, honestly, uh, for the economy uh, with high inflation. It's just hard to to fix. And so I think there's a lot of Mispricing and bad judgment with market participants right now, thinking they can buy every every dip, and there will be squeezes, there will be moves higher, but right now I think you need to sell into strength. You need to hedge yourself with put spreads, index put spreads, or ETF put spreads. Um, don't be ashamed to not have yourself fully in, invested. That's not the worst thing, right? Uh, and don't be on margin right now. I think it's a difficult time, and things can change pretty quick, but Tom, you know it's
1: interesting. Uh, if you ask why they buy the dip, the answer is because buy the dip has worked. yeah. And now I we're know. in this this moment where it starts to look like an inflection point, like a regime change, like something has shifted
2: like the sand beneath our feet is moving well, the buy the dip mentality is not going to be it's not gonna stop over you know, one, the first move down. It tends to stop every time it fails. And if you look at so many stocks out there that, that people have tried to buy the dip and they just get run over on, it just gets more sellers come into, into the stock or an index. It, it's really tough. I've seen several bear markets and there's a lot of opportunity and we find opportunity on the long side all the time but there's also great dispersion where you can short things as well and make money that way. It's, it's, it's tough to make money in a bear market, but it's not that hard to protect your assets.
1: Yeah. Tom, always a pleasure to have you. Great to have you on a day like today where there's so much happening in markets. Thanks for joining us.
2: What's up revolutionaries. Thanks for tuning in to the real vision daily briefing. For more content like this, head over to realvision.com and get unfiltered access to the very best, brightest, and biggest names in finance.
0: You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads.